This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. How do we know you're telling the truth? Because uh, I have no reason to lie. You know, I'm not getting paid to be here. And you had sex with him? Yes. This is porn star Stormy Daniels' only television interview about her alleged relationship with President Trump. What makes this more than just a tabloid scandal involving sex and threats? Just before the election, Daniels was paid hush money by Mr. Trump's lawyer. And as you'll hear, that may have legal and political implications for the president. The president watches 60 Minutes. If he's watching tonight, what would you say to him? He knows I'm telling the truth. I'm Steve Croft. I'm Leslie Stahl. I'm Scott Pelley. I'm Anderson Cooper. I'm Bill Whitaker. Those stories tonight on 60 Minutes. A week and a half before the 2016 election, Donald Trump's personal attorney paid a porn star named Stormy Daniels to keep quiet about her alleged relationship with the Republican candidate for president. Today, that arrangement is well on its way to becoming the most talked-about hush agreement in history, with potential legal and political implications for the president. Through his spokesman, Mr. Trump has denied having an affair with Stormy Daniels, and his lawyers are now threatening her with financial ruin, saying she has to pay $1 million every time she violates her agreement to stay silent. But that didn't stop her from coming on 60 Minutes. For sitting here talking to me today, you could be fined a million dollars. 
I mean, aren't you taking a big risk? I am. I guess I'm not 100% sure on why you're doing this. Because it was very important to me to be able to defend myself. Is part of talking wanting to set the record straight? 100%. Why does the record need to be set straight? Um, Because people are just saying whatever they wanted to say about me. I was perfectly fine saying nothing at all. But I'm not okay with being made out to be a liar or people thinking that I did this for money. And people are like, oh, you're an opportunist. You're taking advantage of this. Yes, I'm getting more job offers now. But tell me one person who would turn down a job offer making more than they've been making, doing the same thing that they've always done. A lot of people are using you for a lot of different agendas. They're trying to. Like, oh, you know, Stormy Daniels comes out, hashtag me too. This is not a me too. I was not a victim. I've never said I was a victim. I think trying to use me to, to further someone else's agenda does horrible damage to people who are true victims. Stormy Daniels' real name is Stephanie Clifford. She's 39 years old from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and has been acting in, directing, and writing adult films for nearly 20 years. She was one of the most popular actresses in the adult industry when she was introduced to Mr. Trump at a celebrity golf tournament in Lake Tahoe in July 2006. She says he invited her to dinner, and she met him at his hotel suite. How was the conversation? Um, it started off uh, all about him, just talking about himself. And he's like, uh, have you seen my new magazine? He was showing you his own picture on the cover of the right, magazine. Right. And so I was like, does this, does this normally work for you? And he looked very taken, taken back, like he didn't really understand what I was saying. Like, does this, you know, talking about yourself normally work? And I was like, someone should take that magazine and spank you with it. And I'll never forget the look on his face. And he was what, like, what was the look? Just, I don't think anyone's ever spoken to him like that, especially, you know, a young woman who looked like me. And I said, you know, give me that. And he, I just remember him going, you wouldn't. I was like, Hand it over. And uh, so he did. And I was like, turn around, drop him. You told Donald Trump to turn around and take off his pants? Yes. And did he? Yes. So he turned around and pulled his pants down a little. You know, he had underwear on and stuff. And, and I just gave him a couple swats. This was done in a joking manner? Yes. And uh, from that moment on, he was a completely different person. How so? He quit talking about himself, and he asked me things, and I asked him things, and it just became, like, you know, a more appropriate. Became more comfortable. Yeah. He's like, wow, you, you are special. You remind me of my daughter. You know, uh, he's like, you're smart, beautiful, and a woman to be reckoned with. I like you. I like you. At this point, was he doing The Apprentice? Yes. And he goes, got an idea, honey bunch. Would you ever consider going on and, and being a contestant? And I laughed and said, NBC is never going to let, you know, an adult film star be on. It's, you know, he goes, no, no. He goes, that's why I want you. You're going to shock a lot of people. You're smart and they won't know what to expect. Did you think he was serious or did you think he was kind of dangling that to get you to want to be involved with him? Both. Melania Trump had recently given birth to, to a son just a few months before. Did he mention his wife or child at all in this? I asked and he brushed it aside, said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, don't worry about that. We don't even, we have separate rooms and stuff. Did you two go out for dinner that night? No. You had dinner in the room? Yes. What happened next? I asked him if I could use his restroom, and he said, yes, you know, it's through the, you know, through the bedroom. You'll see it. So I, I excused myself, and I went to the, the restroom. You know, I was in there for a little bit and came out, and he was sitting, you know, on the edge of the bed when I walked out. 
perched. And when you saw that, what went through your mind? Uh, I realized exactly what I'd gotten myself into. And I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and I just felt like maybe uh, it was sort of, I had it coming for making a bad decision for going to someone's room alone. And I just heard the voice and I, well, you put yourself in a bad situation and bad things happen. So you deserve this. And you had sex with him? Yes. You were 27, he was 60. Were you physically attracted to him? No. Not at all? No. Did you want to have sex with him? No. But I didn't, I didn't say no. I'm not a victim. I'm not... It was yeah. entirely consensual. Oh, yes. Yes. You work in an industry where condom use is, a, is an issue. Did, did he use a condom? No. Did you ask him to? No. I honestly didn't say anything. After you had sex, what happened? He said that it was great. He had a, a great evening, and it was nothing like he expected, that I really surprised him, that a lot of people must underestimate me, uh, that he hoped that I would be willing to see him again and that we would discuss the things that we had talked about earlier in the evening. Being on The Apprentice. Right. Daniel says she and Mr. Trump stayed in touch. She says he invited her to a Trump vodka launch party in California as well as to his office in Trump Tower in New York. So he definitely wanted to continue to see you. Oh, for sure. Yes. And this was not a secret. He never asked me not to tell anyone. He called several times when I was in front of many people, and I'd be like, oh, my God, he's calling. And people like, shut up, the Donald? And I put him on speakerphone, and he wanted to know what I was up to and when can we get together again. I just want to give you a quick update. We had a meeting. It went great. Um, it's going to be spectacular. They're totally into the idea. And I was like, mm -hmm. that part I never believed. Did you still get the sense that he was kind of dangling in, in oh, front of you? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. To keep you interested, to keep of you coming course. back. Of course. I mean, I'm not blind. Um, but at the same time, maybe it'll work out, you know. Did you view it as, this is a potential opportunity, I'm going to see where it goes? I thought of it as a business deal. In July 2007, a year after they met, Daniel says Mr. Trump asked to meet with her privately at his bungalow at the Beverly Hills Hotel in Los Angeles to discuss a development regarding her possible appearance on Celebrity Apprentice. I remember arriving, and he was watching Shark Week. He made me sit and watch an entire documentary about shark attacks. It wasn't, at that point, a business meeting. It was just watching Shark Week. Yeah. Did you have sex with him again? No. Did he want to? Yes. How do you know he wanted to? Because he came and sat next to me and, you know, touched my hair and put his hand on my leg and re referenced back to how great it was the last time. How did you get um, out of it? Well, I'd been there for like four hours. And so I then was like, well, before, you know, can we talk about what's the development? And he's like, I'm almost there. I'll have an answer for you next week. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, um, I guess call me next week. And I just took my purse and left. According to Daniels, Mr. Trump called her the following month to say he'd not been able to get her a spot on Celebrity Apprentice. She says they never met again and only had sex in that first meeting in 2006. In May 2011, Daniels agreed to tell her story to a sister publication of In Touch magazine for $15,000. Two former employees of the magazine told us the story never ran because after the magazine called Mr. Trump seeking comment, his attorney, Michael Cohen, threatened to sue. Daniels says she was never paid and says a few weeks later she was threatened by a man who approached her in Las Vegas. I was in a parking lot going to a fitness class with my infant daughter. 
I was taking, you know, the seats facing backwards in the back seat, diaper bag, you know, getting all the stuff out. And a guy walked up on me and said to me, leave Trump alone, forget the story. And then he leaned around and looked at my daughter and said, a, a beautiful little girl, it'd be a shame if something happened to her mom. And then he was gone. You took it as a direct threat? Absolutely. I was rattled. I remember going into the workout class and my hands were shaking so much I was afraid I was going to drop her. Did you ever see that person again? No. But I, if I did, I would know it right away. I'll you'd never able, forget. You'd be able to recognize that person? 100%. Even now, all these years later. If he walked in the store right now, I would instantly know. Did you go to the police? No. Why? Because I was scared. When a gossip website reported a few months later that she'd had an affair with Mr. Trump, Stormy Daniels publicly denied it. Five years later, Donald Trump won the Republican nomination for president. Suddenly people are reaching out to me again, offering me money, um, large amounts of money. Was I tempted? Yes. Um, I struggle with it. And then I get the call. I think I have the best deal for you. From your lawyer? Yeah. The deal was an offer not to tell her story. It came from Mr. Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen. In return for signing this non-disclosure agreement, Cohen would pay her $130,000 through a Delaware-based limited liability corporation he'd established in mid-October 2016 called Essential Consultants. Daniel says the agreement was appealing because it meant she would receive some money but also not have to worry about the effect the revelation of the affair would have on her child, who was now old enough to watch the news. She signed the agreement 11 days before the election. Was it hush money to stay silent? Yes. Um, the story was coming out again. Um, I was concerned for my family and their safety. I think some people watching this are going to doubt that you entered into this negotiation uh, because you feared for your safety, they're going to think that you saw an opportunity. I think the fact that I didn't even negotiate, I just quickly said yes to this very, you know, strict contract and what most people will agree with me, extremely low number, is all the proof I need. You feel like if you had wanted to go public, you could have gotten paid a lot of money to go public in an Without interview. a doubt, I know for a fact. I believe without a shadow of a doubt in my heart and some people argue that I don't have one of those, but whatever, that I was doing the right thing. I turned down a large payday multiple times because, one, I didn't want to kiss and tell and be labeled all the things that I'm being labeled now. I didn't want to take away from the legitimate and legal, I'd like to point out, career that I've worked very hard to establish. And most importantly, I did not want my family and my child exposed to all the things that she's being exposed to right now. Because everything that I was afraid of coming out has come out anyway. And guess what? I don't have a million dollars. <laughs> you didn't even buy me breakfast. Fifteen months after she signed the non-disclosure agreement, in January 2018, the Wall Street Journal published this story, quoting anonymous sources, saying that Mr. Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen, had paid her for her silence. Daniel says she was not the source of the story, but once it was published, she says she was pressured by her former attorney and former business manager to sign statements that Michael Cohen released publicly, denying she'd had an affair with Mr. Trump. So you signed and released uh, a statement that said, I'm not denying this affair because I was paid in hush money. I'm denying it because it never happened. That's a lie. Yes. If it was untruthful, why did you sign it? 
because they made it sound like I had no choice. Yeah, I mean, no one was putting a gun to your head. Not physical violence, no. You thought that there would be some sort of legal repercussion if you didn't sign Correct. it. Correct. As a matter of fact, the exact sentence used was, they can make your life hell in many different ways. They being? I'm not exactly sure who they were. I believe it to be Michael Cohen. What's your next adventure? Everyone deserves a chance to do what they love. Pacific Life helps you reach financial goals while you go after your personal ones. Plans change over time and your financial solutions can too. Pacific Life has a variety of financial solutions that can help you complement your life goals and passions while managing the uncertainties. Backed by more than 150 years of experience, you can count on Pacific Life to be there so you can go out and keep living your best life. Pacific Life is one of the most dependable and experienced insurers in the industry and has been named one of the 2019 world's most ethical companies by the Ethisphere Institute. The freedom to go after whatever is next for you? That's the power of Pacific. Ask a financial professional about how Pacific Life can help give you the freedom to do what you love or visit www.pacificlife.com. What makes the dispute between Stormy Daniels and the president more than a high-profile tabloid scandal is that her silence was purchased 11 days before the presidential election, which may run afoul of campaign finance laws. The president's longtime lawyer, Michael Cohen, says he used $130,000 of his own money to pay Stormy Daniels. Cohen has said the money was not a campaign contribution. But Trevor Potter, a former chairman of the Federal Election Commission appointed by President George H.W. Bush, told us he doesn't agree. The payment of the money just creates an enormous legal mess for, I think, Trump, for Cohen, and anyone else who was involved in this in the campaign. Are you saying that can be seen as a contribution to benefit a campaign? I am. It's a $130,000 in-kind contribution by Cohen to the Trump campaign which is about 126500 above what he's allowed to give. And if he does this on behalf of his client, the candidate, that is a coordinated, illegal, in-kind contribution by Cohen for the purpose of influencing the election, of benefiting the candidate by keeping this secret. The payment Stormy Daniels received is the subject of complaints by watchdog groups to the Department of Justice and the Federal Election Commission, which Trevor Potter used to be chairman of. He's now president of the nonpartisan Campaign Legal Center, which supports the enforcement of campaign finance laws. If the president paid Michael Cohen back, is that an in-kind campaign contribution that the president should have then reported? It is. If he was then reimbursed by the president, that doesn't remove the fact that the initial payment violated Cohen's contribution limits. I guess it mitigates it if he's paid back by the candidate because the candidate could have paid for it without limit. What if the president never reimbursed Michael Cohen? Then he is still out on the line having made a illegal in-kind contribution to the campaign. You're saying this is more serious for Michael Cohen if the president did not pay him back? Yes, I think that's correct. We wanted to speak with Mr. Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen, about this, but he did not respond to our calls and written request for comment. Cohen told the New York Times last month he used his own personal funds to facilitate a payment of $130,000 to Stormy Daniels. 
and said, neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign reimbursed me for the payment. This past week, Cohen told Vanity Fair magazine, what I did defensively for my personal client and my friend is what attorneys do for their high-profile clients. I would have done it in 2006. I would have done it in 2011. I truly care about him and the family more than just as an employee and an attorney. It's laughable. It's ludicrous. It's preposterous. Lawyers don't do that, you're saying? Ever. Michael Avenatti is Stormy Daniels' attorney. He's a Los Angeles trial lawyer who's suing the president in a California court seeking to have Stormy Daniels' non-disclosure agreement, or NDA, declared invalid, in part because the president never signed it on the lines provided for his alias, D.D., David Dennison. Michael Cohen had said, look, this had nothing to do with the election. He would have made this agreement months before. So why didn't he? It just slipped his mind. It's just a coincidence that in the waning days of the campaign, he thought to himself, oh, you know, I know I've been thinking about this for years. Perhaps now is a good time to get that NDA executed with Stormy Daniels. Avenatti disputes the notion that Cohen was working in a purely personal capacity when he arranged the hush money for Stormy Daniels. He's found documents that show Michael Cohen used his Trump Organization email address in setting up the payment. He also says the non-disclosure agreement Stormy Daniels signed in 2016, when she was represented by a different lawyer, was FedEx to Cohen at his Trump Organization office in Trump Tower in New York. That is a copy of the Federal Express confirmation. The cover letter from Daniels' previous attorney also identifies who he thought Michael Cohen was working for. To Mr. Cohen as executive vice president and special counsel to Donald J. Trump, the Trump Organization, again, uh, listing the Fifth Avenue address. This idea that there's a separation now between Mr. Cohen individually and the Trump Organization or Mr. Cohen individually and Donald Trump, it's nonsense. There are people who argue that this is much to do about nothing, that if this was not a story about an adult film actress and the president of the United States, no one would pay attention. This is about the cover-up. This is about the extent that Mr. Cohen and the president have gone to intimidate this woman, to silence her, to threaten her, and to put her under their thumb. It is thuggish behavior from people in power, and it has no place in American democracy. Avenatti points to this recent court filing in which the president's lawyers claim Daniels is already liable for damages in excess of $20 million for unspecified violations of her nondisclosure agreement. And in that article in Vanity Fair this past week, Michael Cohen said that when he wins damages from Stormy Daniels, I might even take an extended vacation on her dime. You're saying they're trying to intimidate her? There's no question. You threaten someone... Uh, with a $20 million lawsuit, it's a thuggish tactic. It's no different than what happened in the parking lot in Las Vegas. People make threats in lawsuits all the time. People, you know, say, well, you're going to have to pay a lot of money when you lose this, this case. People don't threaten people with $20 million lawsuits that they're going to take their home and take an extended vacation on the money they receive. People don't conduct themselves like this. They don't, and they shouldn't. Stormy Daniels did sign the agreement. She got $130,000. Isn't she welching on a deal? No, she's not welching on a deal because there never was a deal. But she still took the money. She took the money. But the fact of the matter is, Mr. Trump never signed the agreement. He was obligated to sign the agreement in order for the agreement to spring into effect. This is Michael Cohen. 
That's not true, according to Michael Cohen, who said only his signature was required. What was also required under the non-disclosure agreement was for Stormy Daniels to turn over all video images, still images, email messages, and text messages she had regarding Mr. Trump. Did you do that? I can't answer that right now. You don't want to say one way or the other if you have text messages or other items? My attorney has recommended that I don't discuss those things. You seem to be saying that she has some sort of text message or video or, or photographs, or you could just be bluffing. You should ask some of the other people in my career when they've been on me bluffing. In college, in law school, you did opposition research for Democratic political operative Rahm Emanuel. Some people looking at that will say you're politically motivated. I haven't done anything in politics in over 20 years. But this is not the usual case you take on. You are former Democratic operative, and you're talking about deposing the president. That sounds political. No, it sounds righteous. How so? Because my client is credible. She's telling the truth. Trevor Potter, the former chairman of the Federal Election Commission, says the agency's investigations often take a long time and usually result only in monetary penalties. But there is another scenario that could present a problem for the president. Special counsel Robert Mueller's inquiry into Russian interference in the 2016 election. In March, the Washington Post reported that the special counsel has examined episodes involving Michael Cohen, including his efforts to launch a Trump-branded project in Moscow in the fall of 2015, when Mr. Trump was seeking the Republican nomination. Is there any way that special counsel Robert Mueller could investigate the Stormy Daniels payment? Yeah, that's the wild card here. As a prosecutor, you want to get leverage over somebody that you could then use to get them to give you other information on Correct. what you're really interested in. Correct. That's what special counsel Robert Mueller appears to be doing with Paul Manafort, Mr. Trump's former campaign chairman, who faces multiple charges, including tax and bank fraud. Paul Manafort has been charged with crimes that don't have anything to do with Russia in some cases. Well, and that certainly preceded the campaign. And so uh, clearly the Justice Department, the deputy attorney general who is ultimately in charge of this, has determined that looking at what Manafort did in other contexts uh, is relevant to the investigation. And I think you can say exactly the same thing about Cohen. He was uh, involved uh, indisputably with Trump Organization activities with Russia and negotiations with the Russians. Mr. Cohen is in the middle of a place that's of great interest to the special counsel. Is there any recent precedent for pro prosecuting somebody for an undisclosed campaign contribution? Uh, as it happens, there is. There's sort of a pretty spectacular one. I did an awful, awful lot that was wrong. Former Senator John Edwards there was prosecuted no but never convicted for payments that a supporter and his campaign finance chairman made a year before the 2008 election to a woman who'd had Edwards' child. I think the Edwards case is not as strong as the facts we have so far in the Trump case. Why do you think the potential case against Cohen or Trump is a stronger case than the Edwards case? The timing of it. It wasn't the year before the election. Uh, it's right in the middle of the run-up to Election Day. When Trump's conduct with women was a prime campaign issue. In fact, it was what everyone was focused on. White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders did not respond to our request for comment from the president. But we did receive a letter from Mr. Trump's attorney, Charles Harder, 
who asked that we show on camera and read on air one of the statements Stormy Daniels signed in January, denying reports she'd had an affair with Mr. Trump. It says, in part, My involvement with Donald Trump was limited to a few public appearances and nothing more. But if Stormy Daniels denied the affair in 2011, which you say is a lie, denied the affair in early January 2018, denied the affair in late January 2018, doesn't that hurt her credibility? I mean, she's lying, she's lying, she's lying. I think there's no question that it calls into question her credibility. I also think that there's no question that when the American people take all of the facts and evidence into consideration, that they are going to conclude that this woman is telling the truth. And Anderson, to the extent that Mr. Cohen and the president have an alternative version of the facts, let them come forward and state it unequivocally. But come on, you would not sign statements one, two, three times about something which you knew to be a lie. If the president of the United States fixer made it clear to me, either directly or indirectly, that I needed to sign it, and I was in the position of Stormy Daniels, I might sign those statements. I felt intimidated and honestly bullied, and I didn't know what to do, and so I signed it. Even though I had repeatedly expressed that I wouldn't break the agreement, but I was not comfortable lying. How do we know you're telling the truth? Because uh, I have no reason to lie. I'm opening myself up for, you know, possible danger and definitely a whole lot of shit. But, you know, there is a potential upside, financial upside. Maybe somebody will want you to write a book. Maybe, you know, you can go on a bigger tour and make more money that's dancing. A, that's a lot of ifs. I could also get shunned. I mean, I could automatically be alienating half of my fan base right at this very moment. Jenna Jameson, uh, another well-known uh, adult film actress, said recently about you, the left looks at her as a whore and just uses her to try to discredit the president. The right looks at her like a treacherous rat. It's a lose-lose. Should have kept her trap shut. I think that she has a lot of wisdom in those words. The president watches 60 Minutes. If he's watching tonight, what would you say to him? He knows I'm telling the truth. I'm Bill Whitaker. We'll be back next week with another edition of 60 Minutes. Some puzzles are hard to solve. Others are hard to prove. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Access episodes early and ad-free with 48 Hours Plus on Apple Podcasts. Listen to the 48 Hours Podcast for shocking murder cases and compelling real-life dramas from one of television's most watched true crime shows. Go behind the scenes of each episode with award-winning CBS News correspondents and producers in Postmortem, a weekly deep dive. Listen to 48 Hours wherever you get your podcasts. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds, but none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist, 
two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.